So here's an offer that caught our eye. NASA, they are now taking applications. Not to be an astronaut, no, no, but to pretend live on Mars. That's right, pretend live on Mars. What is this all about? Well, for more, here's our space expert, Paul Delaney, who joins us now on Global News Radio. Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. All right, pretend live on Mars. What exactly is NASA doing here, Paul? Well, it's what we refer to as an analog mission. So it's analogous to what the real astronauts are going to experience if and when we get to Mars in the next 10 or so years. These types of analog missions have actually been around for quite a while. We've been taking a variety of people with differing backgrounds and uh, you know, uh, putting them inside these modest habitats, relatively small areas, shall we say, uh, for anywhere up to actually nearly two years on some occasions to look at primarily the psychological aspects of putting so many people, four, five, six, in a very confined area and subjecting them to a variety of problems that they may potentially face. So it's it's all to give us some insight into what's actually going to happen to a crew as they go to Mars, be on Mars, and then come back. Okay, is it just me or does this sound like reality TV? This is Survivor, isn't it? No? (laughs) I'm I'm surprised we actually haven't had a television bid for such a thing. (laughs) It sounds like Big Brother. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but but it it really does have great value. I and mean, we did similar sorts of things when we went to the moon. Although of course it was only for you know a few days there and back for ten days. But trying to understand you know, how people will react in these confined areas and looking at the right psychological mix as well as you know the actual experiences that they will bring. You know engineering, biology, chemistry. Trying to get that right is really, really important. The last thing you want to be is halfway to Mars and find out that you've got the wrong mix of people with you. <laughs> so true, right? I mean, it's like being on a bad road trip with the wrong crew. Really long road trip. Yeah. <laughs> so how do they simulate? Like, I mean, they lock you away for a year in some building, and do we know what sort of, like, is it green screen technology? I mean, how are they recreating you being on the red planet? Well, about the only thing that they can't do is the gravity aspect of it. It's obviously Earth gravity. But every other aspect is real. So literally, you walk through the door, and in this case, it's about a 1,700-square-foot area. So like a three-bedroom house, give or take. Uh, And these four people literally pass through the airlock, and that's that. They're not allowed out of that environment unless they're in a spacesuit to do a spacewalk. There's no calling for pizza. Everything is inside their 1,700 square feet. So all of their supplies, they will grow some of their own food. They'll take a lot of dehydrated food in with them. The power requirement is very strictly budgeted as if you're on the surface of Mars collecting power with solar energy. It's a completely enclosed ecosystem, so no air out. All the air is being filtered and so on. Same goes for the waste. Everything about inside this habitat is as if you were either on the spaceship or on Mars for 365 days. All right. And are the participants, are they going to be all wired up? I mean, brainwaves analyzed, their blood pressure, that sort of thing? 
Um, not dissimilar to what's on board the International Space Station. So they won't be wired for sound for every second of the day, but they will be going through medical checks on a daily basis, just as we do with the International Space Station. There will be set periods associated with physical activity, so bikes and you know pumping irons and so on and so forth, to keep muscle tone high. So all of that will be monitored. Uh, they'll be doing experiments, obviously, you know, with, with limited equipment, and there will be breakdowns. NASA is going to insert into the computer systems various challenges for them that they'll have to meet. As I say, this is trying to get a really solid handle on what the real astronauts are going to potentially experience so that we've got the right mix of not only people but equipment. I mean, space and weight is limited, so you can't take a spare of absolutely everything. You've got to figure out what is the the best utility equipment to take with you. And as I said, this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, This is high profile because NASA is obviously inching towards their own launch to Mars, hopefully by the end of the decade. But these types of analog missions have been hosted by ESA, the Russian Space Federation, and a variety of universities around the globe for the last 10 to 15 years. All right. Having said all of this, if you're listening right now and you're really interested, you want to virtually live or pretend live on Mars for the uh, next year, uh, NASA's just not looking for anybody, right? I mean, you've got to meet certain qualifications. <laughs> That's right. As if you were applying to be an astronaut. Uh, you know, some of the um, uh, Mars analog missions that have been hosted before have ended literally with people at their throats, and they've actually had to go in and, and pull people apart and you know, cancel the mission. Wow. Primarily because, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure whether or not three of your favorite friends for six months in confined areas <laughs> is a good idea, Jeff. But, you know, you can imagine if you don't get that mix right, and some of the previous analog missions, you know, just point blank, haven't got the mix right. NASA is literally looking for astronaut wannabes. So these folks have got to have a master's degree in science. It doesn't really matter what the degree, what the science discipline is, but you've got to have a fairly advanced degree. You've got to be physically fit. You've obviously got to pass a battery of psychological tests to make sure that you are at least seemingly uh, in a good state to be confined for a whole year. So, yes, you've, you've got to meet criteria here, which is very, very important. But, you know, as Chris Hatfield said, you know, for the right person, Going away from the madness of our world for a year and being paid to do it doesn't sound all that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's how they should write up the job description. (laughs) They probably have. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because I was thinking too, Paul, that this could be great for the future of travel even on this planet. Because, for example, for me, I do love traveling and I miss traveling, like being in different places. It's just getting to those different places. So if I could virtually experience, say, Australia for a couple of days and then decide, you know what, that uh, 17, 24-hour flight's worth it, I mean, yeah, I'd try that out. (laughs) There is something to be said for it, right? (laughs) But it's the timescale here that everybody should keep in mind. We are talking about a whole year of isolation. Some people, that will be a snap and it will be a very positive experience. But as I said, you've got to figure out the psychological uh, markers to decide this is the right mix of people who can sustain that level of isolation and the potential, you know, let's, let's not sugarcoat it, of dying. I mean, you know, flying in space for that period of time, being on the surface of Mars for a long period of time has risk associated with it. So you want to be able to try and get all of those parameters as correct as possible long before you actually launch them towards space. 
All right, our space expert, Paul Delaney, with us this afternoon. Paul, pleasure as always. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jeff. You too. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.